Hello everybody and welcome back to Air Magique. Let's talk about the most magical place in Europe. I'm Eric Anderson and this is the episode for the third week of April. Yes, today we'll be talking all about the fascinating history of Star Tours and Star Tours The Adventures Continue. But first, some park news. There are now direct trains running from the Netherlands to Disneyland Paris. <laughs> Shout out to my Dutch listeners out there. I love your tulips. They're fabulous. The new Thales train service runs twice a day from Amsterdam to Disneyland Paris, and the whole trip takes about three hours and 40 minutes. So that's a great new convenient way to get there. In other news, it's officially been announced. Melanie Ravenswood's ill-fated wedding celebrations will be back on May the 3rd, 2019. Yes, that's right. Along with some major story changes and an extensive refurbishment, the Phantom Manor will be haunting park goers again in less than a month. I'm so excited. Disney Imagineer Tom Fitzgerald announced several changes and additions to the beloved attraction at the Inside Ears' first anniversary party. In the new iteration, Melanie is no longer engaged to be married, but instead is the maiden of several suitors. Ooh, spicy. These suitors will all meet their untimely demises within the manor's famous stretching room, which will feature all new portraits. The updated story also reveals the Phantom's identity. The iconic antagonist of the attraction is none other than Henry Ravenswood himself, Melanie's father. No suitor is good enough for his little girl. In addition, the attraction's post-show scenes will feature two new elements. Melanie's new suitors will make another appearance in the manor's final room, their bony hands still requesting her hand in marriage. Whereas in the second scene, Melanie herself will try to convince parkgoers to marry her. The Inside Ears event also confirmed that Vincent Price's original narration will return, and that the opening show scenes will be a mixture of French and English narration. Bye-bye Art of Disney Animation, and hello Animation Celebration featuring Frozen, which will be replacing the original attraction over at Walt Disney Studios Park. Animation Celebration will be a brand new meet and play experience featuring the characters from the movie Frozen. The new experience will feature three themed rooms welcoming park goers to meet, play, and sing along with Anna, Elsa, Kristoff, Sven, and yes, even Olaf. The first room, which will be themed to a log cabin, parkgoers will meet up with Kristoff and his faithful reindeer Sven before being joined by Anna. Parkgoers will then move to the second room, which will be themed to the iconic Ice Palace, where we encounter Elsa herself and join her for a sing-along. The third and final room consists of an Olaf meet and greet, and you can expect to pick up your very own warm hug this Christmas season. Yes, Star Tours, the attraction that takes you into the Star Wars universe, was definitely one of my favorite attractions at Disneyland Paris. And Star Tours The Adventures Continue continues to be one of my favorite attractions at Disneyland Paris. It's such a wonderfully immersive attraction, really my favorite motion simulator type ride so far. The enclosed capsule design of the Star Speeder makes for a highly effective simulation experience, since unlike with the open theater concepts where if you turn your head left or right, you won't see the edges of the screen or the static non-moving floor, which really can break immersion. And that fabulous queue featuring C-3PO, I mean, the moment you lay your eyes on that animatronic, it's, it's just fabulous. Now, Imagineering had been aware of the possibility of using flight simulators in its park since the 1970s. Here's what Randy Bright, Vice President of Concept Development, had to say on the subject. Quote, 
we became aware of industrial flight simulators and their possible entertainment applications within the Disney theme parks when we were researching various technologies for Epcot Center. End quote. The ride that would become Star Tours first saw the light of day as a proposal for an attraction based on the 1979 Disney live-action film The Black Hole. It would have been an interactive ride simulator attraction where guests would have had the ability to choose the route. However, after preliminary planning, the black hole attraction was shelved due to its enormous costs of approximately $50 million, as well as the unpopularity of the movie itself. Instead of completely trashing the simulator idea, Walt Disney Imagineering decided to make use of a partnership between Disney and George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars, that began in 1986 with the opening of Captain EO, which was a 3D musical film starring Michael Jackson at the California Park. You could also find that attraction over at Walt Disney Studios and Disneyland Paris, as well as Tokyo Disneyland. Disney approached Lucas with the idea for Star Tours, and with Lucas on board, Disney Imagineers purchased four military-grade flight simulators for $500,000 a pop and designed the ride structure. Meanwhile, Lucas and his team of special effects technicians at Industrial Light and Magic produced the first-person perspective film that would be projected inside the simulators bringing in a few Imagineers to help out with the story, which ended up being a good idea because the original script would have ended up being a 20 minute long ride. Walt Disney Imagineering show producer Tom Fitzgerald, along with Walt Disney Imagineering concept designer Tony Baxter, sat down with George Lucas and a small team of industrial light and magic designers to hash out the story. As Tony Baxter recalls, quote, George had an interesting idea. There's a public preconception that a Disney attraction is completely safe because it's true. But George thought it might be a nice twist to interject an element of danger. He came up with the idea of the opening fiasco. The hitches are contrary to what one expects from a Disney attraction. You think you're going to Endor, but the real tour turns out to be something quite different. End quote. Tom Fitzgerald. Quote, Tony and I spent the following night holed up in our Sausalita hotel room, pinning file cards indicating story elements, special effects, and simulator motions in a grid sequence along the wall. We were envisioning Star Tours not just as a film experience, but as a fantasy adventure synchronized film, with simulated motion and terrific special effects." End quote. By the next morning, they had the first draft of a concept for Star Tours. Tom Fitzgerald continues, quote, We were determined to combine a strong storyline with a thrill ride. A hard thing to pull off. We also wanted to introduce at least one new character. George came up with the idea of a pilot, who turned out to be Rex, our rookie. Rex began as a cosmic bus driver, a counterpart to the wise-cracking jungle cruise guides at Disneyland. End quote. When both the attraction and the film were completed, a motion programmer sat inside and used a joystick to synchronize the movement of the simulator to the motion depicted on screen. On January 9th, 1987, at a final cost of $32 million, almost twice the cost of building the entire park in 1955, the ride opened to throngs of patrons, many of whom dressed up as Star Wars characters for the occasion. In celebration, Disneyland remained open for a 60-hour marathon from January 9th at 10am to January 11th at 10pm. For the opening ceremony, Disney CEO Michael Eisner was given the role of introducing the Star Wars characters, and for the life of him could not get C-3PO's name right. During rehearsals, Michael would always end up calling the droid PC-3O, and no matter how hard the team tried to drill the proper name into Michael's head, he would say, quote, Right, I've got it now. PC-3O. End quote. <laughs> 
As a last resort, Imagineering had a giant cue card made which spelled out in massive two-foot-tall letters, quote, C-3-P-O, end quote. And when the crucial moment came, Michael still managed to get it wrong. A year before production started on Star Tours, Paul Rubens, who many know as Pee Wee Herman, had voiced the shipboard computer in the Disney film Flight of the Navigator, in which he was credited as Paul Mall. This role resulted in Rubens being cast as Captain RX-24, aka Captain Rex for Star Tours. The French dub for Captain Rex was done by actor Lug Hammett, who is particularly well known in France for dubbing Michael J. Fox in most of his films. Like Back to the Future, for example. Anthony Daniels, who provided the original voice of C-3PO in English, also came back to record the French dialogue for Disneyland Paris. So Star Tours utilizes hydraulic motion-based cabins, featuring 6 degrees of freedom, including the ability to move 35 degrees in the X, Y, and Z plane. The simulator was patented as Advanced Technology Leisure Application Simulator, or ATLAS for short. Originally designed by Rediffusion Simulation from Sussex, England, is now owned by Thales Training and Simulation. The Rediffusion Leisure Simulator actually has its own bit of history as well. It was originally developed for a much simpler show in Canada called Tour of the Universe, where it featured a single entrance and exit door at the rear of the cabin and a simple video projector. In the Disney parks, the film was front projected onto the screen from a 70mm film projector located beneath the cockpit barrier. The Disneyland original had four simulator cabins, while the iterations in Tokyo Disneyland, Disneyland Paris, and Walt Disney World each had six cabins. Each cabin, or star speeder, could accommodate up to 40 people and weighed in about 25 tons. So did you guys know that the attraction features real props from the Star Wars movies? Imagineer Steve Brooks explains, quote, George Lucas graciously offered us some props from the Star Wars films for use at the attraction, such as the three disassembled speeder bikes that we collected directly from Lucas's ranch. One of these speeder bikes can be found at the Disney MGM Studios, end quote. By the way, Disney MGM Studios is now called Walt Disney Studios. <laughs> Again, back to Steve Brooks, quote, and another sits in the Star Tours queue in Disneyland Paris, surrounded by some of the pieces from the third, end quote. In California, the Star Speeder 3000 in the queue was actually made out of just artfully painted wood, whereas R2-D2, C-3PO, along with the droids in the Droidnostic Center, were all real. As in, <laughs> these are the original props and costumes that were used during the filming of the original Star Wars trilogy. George Lucas really wanted Star Tours to feel as authentic as possible, you guys. Another awesome detail is that C-3PO's suit was given its golden look in the films by the use of gold paint and mylar. In order to ensure that this look stays consistent in the attraction though, over, you know, several years, decades, <laughs> Imagineering had the suit plated with about $16,000 worth of gold. In addition to the nods to George Lucas, Steve Brooks also wanted to pay homage to Walt Disney Imagineering. At Disneyland in California, the computers that had been controlling the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction had just been replaced with new models, and the old computers were going to be sent to the scrap heap. Steve Brooks again, quote, We're talking about huge machines measuring 10 feet tall that had been used since Walt Disney's time. Each one of them controlled one of the animated figures. The archives had saved the one that controlled the auctioneer character, but the others were to be discarded. Since I needed technical-looking set pieces for the Star Tours queue area, I decided to rescue them. Today they can be found in a corner of the droid room." End quote. Talking about the closing of Star Tours and Star Tours The Adventures continue right after this quick break. 
On August 14th, 2010, Walt Disney World hosted the last tour to Endor event, exclusively for Celebration 5 attendees at Disney's Hollywood Studios from 8pm to 1am. Entertainment at the quote, last tour to Endor event, end quote, featured George Lucas, several character appearances, the Jedi Training Academy, Death Star Disco, Bespin Stage Dance Party, Raiders of the Lost Jedi Temple of Doom, <laughs> a fan film of epic proportions, live show, hyperspace hoopla, Symphony in the Stars fireworks, and the Star Tours shutdown ceremony. The closing ceremony itself was a live show featuring C-3PO, R2-D2, Boba Fett, Darth Vader, and a few stormtroopers, culminating in the official power down of the original Disney World Star Tours attraction. However, instead of R2-D2 simply shutting it down, Boba Fett destroyed the ride's power supply using a thermal detonator, achieved using pyrotechnics. The ride was actually still open after the shutdown ceremony until September 7th, 2010, when the attraction held its final flight to Endoric, which was exclusive to D23 members. Now, the version at Disneyland Paris actually remained open a few more years until March 16th, 2016. The previous and current versions of the Star Tours attraction at Disneyland Paris are located at the rear of Discoveryland, behind Space Mountain. An orbital station-shaped shop is located to the right of the entrance while an X-Wing fighter appears to be flying out of the queue. While the attraction's fast-pass distribution building is inspired by the design of Jabba the Hutt's barge. From 1992 to 1993, Star Tours featured a post-show or an experience after you exit the attraction named ROX-N, pronounced Roxanne, which featured an animatronic robotic hostess. From 1993 until 2005, the exit hosted the Astroport Services Interstellar, sponsored by IBM. There were activities and games specifically designed for the park, like Photomorph, a process that allowed you to take a photo and distort it by using a touchscreen, and Star Course, a process that used a big screen on the wall that allowed several parkgoers at a time to play and pilot tiny little ships to avoid asteroids. With the withdrawal of IBM in 2005, and despite rumors of a new partner, which would never come to fruition, the Astroport did not reopen and several elements were removed and replaced by arcade games. In addition, Roxanne, whom parkgoers could interact with via a control panel placed near the base, was no longer active. Today, only Roxanne, the baggage handling system, Astroport services interstellaires, and the Star Course screen remain. Although the last time I was at the parks, which was about a month ago, Roxanne was not active. Which could have just meant she's down for maintenance, but wasn't moving. So what about today? Well, Star Tours may have closed, but since March 26, 2017, we have the new and somewhat say improved Star Tours The Adventures Continue at Disneyland Paris. What's especially cool is that almost no two rides are the same, but more on that later. Back in 2005, at Star Wars Celebration 3, creator George Lucas confirmed that Star Tours 2 was in production. In May 2009, film reported that the filming for the new version of Star Tours was underway in West Hollywood, California. During pre-production, one of the locations that Imagineers wanted guests to visit was the ice planet of Hoth, while it was under siege by Imperial walkers. However, the idea was quickly scrapped because it would interfere with the attraction's placement in the Star Wars timeline. According to Imagineer Jason Sorrell, after the Hoth battle idea was replaced with an encounter with the planet's native fauna, the concept was presented to George Lucas. Lucas, although liking the idea, requested that the battle scene be used instead, even if it meant disrupting the series' canon. 
Lucas offered the possibility that there was perhaps an earlier scuffle between the Rebel and the Imperial forces on the planet before the events in Episode 5 The Empire Strikes Back unfolded and that they later decided to build a base there, figuring the Empire wouldn't think the Rebels would return to that same location. The Kashyyyk sequence was suggested by John Lasseter. Star Tours The Adventures Continue is, for the most part, prequel to the original attraction, set between the first two Star Wars trilogies. As such, the working name was Star Tours 3.5. In the new version, Captain Rex no longer pilots the craft. Instead, C-3PO accidentally ends up in the cockpit. And... stuff goes down. Let's take a look at the new ride system. The way the updated attraction works is that the ride film itself is made up of several film sequences that are randomized. Parkgoers riding Star Tours will experience 4 out of the 13 different segments, with some segments offering slight variants during each journey. This gives Star Tours the advantage of being both highly repeatable and constantly surprising. Even though guests can experience different journeys, the main priority is always to deliver a Rebel Spy to safety. The Rebel Spy is chosen from among the guests on board and their photo displayed to the riders, which is always really funny. For some reason, those pictures always seem to look like in a moment when you weren't ready to have a photo of yourself taken, <laughs> so your face on that screen, you guys. There are 18 random segments of the film, 4 opening segments, 4 primary destination segments, 6 hologram message segments, and 4 ending destination segments. When they're all combined, they allow up to 384 different possible ride experiences. Industrial Light and Magic was brought in to do the mostly computer-generated imagery ride films seen throughout the attraction. The updated ride system also consists of a Dolby 3D high-definition system and an improved motion simulator, as well as several other newly added special effects. At the 2015 D23 Expo, it was announced that an adventure theme to The Force Awakens would be added to the attraction. The new adventure became available beginning November 16th, 2015. The new ride film segment featured Crate from The Last Jedi, and a Batuu sequence was added on November 17th, 2017. Every day, thousands of veteran and new park goers are thrilled by this wonderful attraction. Star Tours captures some of the most exciting and heartfelt moments of the Star Wars series in a nice and compact homage to the universe, while providing a fresh and thrilling ride experience. It is definitely a must-see while at the parks. Listener question. Today's question comes from Tim. Hi Eric, we were wondering if there is a shopping service available at Disneyland Paris so we don't have to carry around our souvenirs. Hi Tim, thank you for that amazing question. And the answer to that is yes, there is a complimentary shopping service that allows you to leave your purchases at the store and then pick them up after 6pm at Disney Village or if you're staying on property, at your hotel's boutique after 8pm. That way you know you have your hands free to enjoy the parks without having to worry about your new favorite souvenir. So thank you so much Tim for that amazing question. If you have any questions regarding Disneyland Paris or you just like to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter under at NowDisneyland and on Instagram under AirMagique. Please make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever the platform of your choice is. And we would so very much appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review on your favorite platform. It really does help out a lot. Thank you so much, you guys. 
Also, thank you so much to the DLPGeek.com, DisneylandParis-News.com, LaughingPlace.com, JimHillMedia.com, the book Disneyland Paris from Sketch to Reality, the book Disney A to Z, and WDWNT.com, all of which are the excellent sources for the information compiled in this episode of the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. For Air Magique, this is Eric. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Air Magique is an unofficial podcast made with love and is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries.